0: Hello and welcome to the Pixel Classroom Podcast, featuring everything on passion, innovation, X Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in the classroom. I'm your host, Ryan Reed, and you can listen to everything here from experts in education, talk about epilepsy awareness, and featuring pop culture talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pixel Classroom podcast here, episode 85 for November of 2021. And of course, this episode's airing just before Thanksgiving, so I hope everybody's getting ready for their, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, nice weekend here. So today, I have an educator and author. He has taught history, math. Technology at middle and high school grades. He has served as technology director, the dean of students for his district. He has coached numerous sports, including wrestling, golf, baseball, and esports, which means he could take me in any kind of battle <laughs> he wanted to. Um, he graduated from uh, Heidelberg University and Western Governors University, earning both his bachelor's and master's degree he also serves as an adjacent professor at uh, tiffin university here he is also the author of the brand new book this is audio We can't see it of 3d a guide to 3d printing in every classroom and he's also the host of his own podcast the magic potion edu and does his blogs on teacherstechtoolbox.com. tech toolbox.com so he's speaking at many regional conferences from fetc to oetc I'd like the welcome the one and only uh, kevin Rinneman to the pixel classroom podcast hello kevin
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me on today, Ryan. Really looking forward to this chat.
0: Oh, thank you. I know we've had a couple of delays. Now we're finally going here. So i kind of given the, uh, as I said, the bullet points, cliff notes of you, you to this point too. So uh, Kevin, how, uh, you know, how did you get into this? You know, what led you to your current one? And of course, uh, the most here we'll get down talking about 3D printing here. So uh, give us a little, a uh, little bit of the history of Kevin.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, originally, you know, like a lot of people, I was a senior in high school and was, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I got into wrestling season. Uh, we had pretty good run playoffs for football. and then uh, wrestling season hit, that was kind of my passion area there. And as wrestling was winding down there, you know, February, March of 2002, I'm like, you know what? I want to be a wrestling coach. And what do wrestling coaches do? They are teachers. So I kind of had that stereotypical little journey into how I got into the field of education. Um, I went on to Heidelberg University, joined the wrestling team, uh, decided that college athletics was not for me. So I I hung up the shoes in the uh, competing aspect Uh, there in my first year and went on to coach. I came back to the the junior high and high school that I just graduated from, uh, coached wrestling at junior high, and then junior varsity, and then varsity for for, uh, about a decade there. Um, I'm in my, uh, well, I guess after I graduated from Heidelberg, I got hired in here at Calvert Catholic Schools, and I've been here ever since. This is year 14. Um, My journey into 3D printing uh, wow, I'm, I'm still not exactly sure how it all went down, but um, I taught in the classroom for four years. I was asked to move into a role as specifically a tech director. Um, and during that time, there was one year where we were like, you know, at the end of a budget, we had some money to spend. So, what is it that we that we should buy? I was talking over with my technology teacher, superintendent, and we're going back and forth with: Should we get a laser cutter? Should we get a 3D printer? Should we get you know a couple high end computers that we can do some awesome video design and ultimately we we wound up getting a makerbot printer the uh, replicator 2 and we had some issues with it. I ended up working with, uh, with MakerBot on getting things figured out, started, had a great relationship with them and, and things just kind of grew from there with, uh, finding ways to integrate it into, into all grade levels, all content areas. And it's really become a passion area for me of, you know, it's, it's more than just looking at trinkets and doodads and, And small little items to share with your students, you can let them create. And that's, that's the biggest thing I think we can teach our students is don't just consume, 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 use that technology in front of you to actually make stuff and hopefully make the world a better place.
0: And I think it's a really interesting thing you point out there with the 3D printer. Because when I came to my current school district, you know, I'm in year five of that one, they had a 3D printer, which was a MakerBot, which they got through grant money, the old classic use the money or not. And it was used right. in industrial arts, but um, they never really did much with it. I mean, they were hoping to make, as you say, some trinkets and maybe move on from there. But then, you know, somebody decided, thought it would be funny to pull off the print, the, the door and stick his finger in there, and he broke part of it off. So then when I got mm. it, I spent some of my grant men repairing it. But then I spent about, I say the first three months just trying to get it working again. So there was a lot of contact between maker, maker bot. And I was using my own 3D printer, which is a Flash Forge. And luckily like we were going through the two because we had a lot of, we had mixed up filament. We didn't know what filament was what. So it took a while. Finally figure out which one was the ABS and the PLA. And the ABS was set to that MakerBot. And due to the damage that was put into it, that was the only kind of filament it was going to use. So I had a you know, switch there. No. I got donor's shoes going. So then we just did that. I did the PLA and my Flash Forge I brought in and I got the ABS set up. And now it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good, you know, between the two, um, between my home one and my school one. But, you know, it's very interesting. And, you know, you have a little thing about just, you know, doing do and tinkers. But you know, that's an interesting question. You know, especially when you've worked between sports and esports, and you've done curriculums, what is that piece that really gets those students to produce and not consume? And this is coming from a guy who's a consumer ed teacher.
1: <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing for me, like, I, I, just the other week, with my, I was working with seventh graders. We were doing uh, Intro to Computer Science. We are on trimesters and looking for something else to kind of work in there along the way. I've only got 12 weeks with them. I have my, uh, my code.org content that I'm looking to go over, but I needed some filler space in there as well. And I stumbled onto, uh, somebody had shared it on Twitter. And I think it was uh, Chris Woods with uh, Daily STEM. And there is a, it's actually still going on. They extended it until I think the end of this week, which I forget how that timing works for when this episode is <laughs> going to get released and everything. But uh, the, the U.S. Department of, of Defense has a future engineers website that they work with schools. And one of the challenges they have right now is design a pin for veterans to to you know show your support for them and let them know that we care about them and everything. So it was a, a perfect entry level design where you know it gave me a chance to talk about that really basic how to use Tinkercad and how to use uh, you know how to use the different shapes and, and build from there and make something that would make our veterans feel uh, you know loved. Mm-hmm. Like they are. Um, so that's that was my simple way with the seventh graders currently this year on on how to go from oh look, Mr. Reineman has a 3D printer to oh my gosh, we're gonna do 3D printing. Um, then the next step I did from there is I, I don't mind that it's early November. I'm already playing Christmas music in my classroom. <laughs> so then the next one I had the students do
0: different from you. There is no going to be no Christmas <laughs> music for at least in our week in my classroom. After that, all things are off, you know. <laughs>
1: I hate to say it, but I was playing it in late September, early October. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. Ever, ever since we had our son, I've just been big into Christmas uh, ever since then I really get into the spirit. Um, so the next project I had my seventh graders doing was design your own ornament for my tree. Um, I, I put a smart plug on there. We call them Trevor, the tree so that kids come in in the morning, they can say, Alexa, Alexa, uh, Turn on Trevor the tree or we'll set up, teach them how to do routines and stuff like that with a little bit of computer science going on um, and have it automatically turn on the, the, the tree lights and then start playing some music in the background or something like that. So, yeah, those are those are really easy ways to, to get in on the creation side of things
0: well yeah i really love that too i mean that's one thing too with my students i mean i, I i've used the 3d printer due to time constraints and us working on certifications this semester we're not going to get to the 3d printing i wanted to do for my uh multimedia class like i used to but we've been able to do a lot more in my marketing and graphic design class where they really had to find a print for a solution they worked on the 3r project in marketing they actually had to use it where they had to design something they could use for the 3r project what they could do into anywhere from donations to a charity to actually design stuff to work for you know i three-hour garden where we have sprinkling we actually donated some of those pieces to our ag department so that they could use that for that too of course as i told him like guys just make sure you have a potted plant just a little bit bigger to absorb all the water like so it doesn't all the place like you I said yes though so mr legal is very happy i just watered his plants but anyhow <laughs> But yeah, that I mean, I think it's an amazing little piece about, you know, actually you say creating and producing, which is a huge part, which is, you know, in your book and everything else, you know, that's a little thing here. Cause you know, I was going over here, you know, cause I was doing the 3d here and there's some really great things. And I got them bookmarked as you can see in the video, like I said, you can't see it. So everybody imagine me flipping through a book now on a video, <laughs> I got all these nice tabs and everything else too, but you know, something, uh, talking about your book here, um, Kevin, like what really went into finally, you know, as you said, you, you stopped the podcast to work on the book and now you're hoping. Going to get back to the podcast here soon but what what led to you know the, the creation of 3d you because believe it or not there's not this is really as far as i understand really the only true educational 3d printing book out there yes there's ones that mention it and how to use this and our shout out of course to uh chris's for uh for you know his stem edu you know, another thing is too is you know he has several stem objects i mean there's no one focus on 3d printing like this so you know yeah. What went into this, Kevin? How did you structure it, and uh, you know, how did it all get all set with Wired Educator? Uh,
1: well, Wired Educator is uh, Kelly Croy. He's uh, not very far away from me. He's uh, at Port Clinton City Schools as a director of innovation. He's been running Wired Educator for a long time. Great friend of mine. Um, and you know, for I, I want to say back in like 2017, I told myself, okay, I'm going to write a book. And I went through so many different. Like book titles and everything, and in the back of my mind, I knew three D printing was the thing that I needed to do because it's my passion area. So I'd gone back and forth, like I was going to write one on Magic Potion Edu, you know, use the acronym from there, and then build a book off of that. Never really took off. I was going to do one that was focused on, you know, a bunch of different educational technology tools. But I struggle with that because it's like every time you write something about an educational technology tool, it changes within the next six months, whether it's a menu changing or you know it's just outdated and that project's dropped. So right. um, I got around to, it would have been twenty mid-2020, um, I had reached out to Kelly. I'm like, Kelly, I got an idea. You ever thought about publishing a book with Wired Educator? And we just went, we started the conversation. He's like, all right, well, what's your idea? And I'm like, There's nothing out there on 3D printing right now. And I know people ask questions as I go to conferences and and I share my sessions on them with ideas and everything. And people come up afterwards and they're asking and people reach out on Twitter. And, you know, my friends see me doing stuff on Facebook. So there are educators out there that want to use 3D printing, but they're intimidated by it. They think it's super expensive. Which it can be, but it can also be relatively uh, affordable, even if you have to pay out of your own pocket. Which, unfortunately, a lot of us educators do. So, um, working with Kelly was great. I also have another great friend, John Mehan, who uh, did Adrenaline Rush. And he recently oh, published. I know
0: John uh, very well. He's done <clears throat> podcast too. Yeah,
1: and John was a great help with. Uh, you know, being the English guy that he is, he helped me with coming up with how I should structure the book. Um, I came up with the idea of doing layers instead of chapters when really it's still just chapters. It's just fun to call them layers (laughs) and, uh, you know, start with, okay, here's an idea. And then here's projects that go along with it. And that's how I structured the entire book is let's start with the foundation. Here's the vocab on how printers work. Here's what you're gonna need to know to go for when you start hearing the buzzwords. And um, you know, the alphabet soup in 3D printing is no different than the alphabet soup that we have in education. Right. So start with that and then uh, you know, get into, all right, let's make some pop culture items so that we can set the tone when kids walk in and, and have that start building rapport with common interests there. And then move into the creation, ultimately, you know, trying to build empathy with our students. And the, the toughest part is letting go. And that's kind of the end of the book there is sit back and let your students do their thing. And that's probably the most difficult part for any teacher to do because we we're just naturally want to control our classroom. But things are shifting these days.
0: Yeah, and I have to agree that with the uh, shipping as well as the empathy. I mean, right here, I'm on page 83, and this is what jumped out when you were talking about pill bottles for Parkinson's on TikTok, where it talked about the explanation how you guys created these uh, pill bottles stuff. My wife was epilepsy. I brought this up to her, too. Where she also brought that up, and we made you know keychains. We actually did ones where it was the purple ribbon because November is Epilepsy Awareness Month, and you know we put the little hole. And my uh, co-teacher, his daughter, who I had as a student also had epilepsy, and he really loved it. And his wife wanted one, but he says, you know, you got to make this hole a little bigger. So guess what? I just went right back in. I fixed the hole. I reprinted out, uh, made just a here bits bigger. Gave it to him. He was really impressed. But I had a lot of students that really just wanted to make a lot of these pieces too. And something we did last year, even with our, you know, we, you know, even with you know COVID and everything. Else too, and we had three weeks where we were paused by the end of the semester due to rising pieces. We got a lot of 3B prints done. I was able to prim at home, I was able to get them in the mail, get them sent off to students. So, you know, as you said, it was interesting, but I really saw some amazing things come out of there, too. I'm like right here on your glossary, and people, please print we'll have a thing piece. But it was all so interesting, was you know, you're talking about chess piece sets, and I actually made a classic piece because our, 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 um, chess club coach. And he's a good friend of mine, Phil Brada. Um, I mean, he's in his late seventies, but he said himself, he doesn't have an original piece. So we, we, we got an idea say, why don't we just find a pattern, and get Mr. Brada as a nice little piece, a classic King uh, piece. And we did, we printed on the 3D printer, made it white, gave it to him. And you know, it's awesome. it really good. And we did all these other pieces for marketing where they did areas too. But, and I also like too, cause you didn't just do the 3D printing, as you said, layers, you did 3D modeling here like you did with like uh, areas in Washington, DC. I had mm-hmm. the Smurf project, which was based off of uh, Quinn Rollins' uh, piece from Play Like a Pirate, where they had to make a Smurf village based on a design. <laughs> And then they had to make a virtual tour like they were on Zillow. So, you know, but we used... Oh, that's it's so cool. Modeling. We used the 3D modeling from Tinkercad. So it worked out mm-hmm. extremely well. Because like, you said right there, combine ideas. And I said, that's what I'm going to do to make this project. Because I get in the 3D, they make their own Terium. But I'm like, no, we need to go to the next level with this too. But it really kind of jumped on things. And it also got my science department actually saying like... Especially for their earth science, like, oh, you're right, I could do this for geology, where they could just make the different layers in color. I'm like, or you want to go really crazy, you can 3D print them. So it's it's amazing how you can bring those areas, but also empathy, like uh, bringing it out to, like I said, our chess coach to other classrooms. So that's one thing the book really made us think about, like, oh, I got to, maybe this is where I need to take this classroom now. Printing And now I'm the 3D printing expert. <laughs> I'm a guy who's learned and burned himself many times making things. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that, that makes me feel
1: great. You know, that was the ultimate goal with the book. It wasn't to like sell them and make millions or, right. or anything like that. It was all about trying to share these ideas and help those teachers that are looking for the things to do. And even somebody like you that had that base level before the book came out, now you're taking it to the next step. And that just makes me feel great. Thank you so much for sharing that.
0: Well oh, you're well you're welcome Kevin. And like I said, I've been to a lot of places too, you know, with 3D printing. Like I've been to Idea, you know, ISTE does it and some of the locals ones too. And it's so amazing. But I you know outside the you know here's how you start it here's what you look at it and then here's a rubric, which is great. Okay, cool. I can make the lesson, do that, move on to the next area. But then I'm like, well, where can I do it? And like you do done where we talk about coins, I went, oh geez, why don't they think of that for currency? I mean, we'll continue, but I got to print out, three D printed a couple of the currency icons from different countries, and you know, put those out. Even though they might have mm. all been white or brown, because that's a lot of, right. a lot of match. Because like I said, I get, I get, I get, to a point too where I really try not to change my filament. It's easy to just do a base color, go get some spray paint on sale at Menard, spray paint it, let it dry, and be like, ta da, I'm done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole another question that comes up a lot is, you know, we're buying our first 3D printer. Well, how much filament should we get? And that's, you know, it's tough to tell somebody how much filament to get. But I usually tell people, focus on either getting white or black because really you can do anything with those colors there. You can paint them or or black just looks really sharp when it's printed too.
0: Yeah. And like I said, my friend, he had a step away from teaching, doing the health issues, but you know, he's gotten a business where he's doing 3D printing, but he has a double nozzle and he does it, but he says himself, you know, Hey, I'll do it. But he's like, give me your base color and I'll do it. One thing my kids were, they liked it, but they wanted to just start doing like our 3d keychains for epilepsy where it's just easier to pur- print that all in purple as you know x in it and put a hole in it versus like okay now i'm gonna do a white one now i'm gonna stray to purple uh but it's too light of purple now i've got you know alzheimer's awareness or i got this or you right know versus like, I want to make a bunch of ribbons and I'll just spray paint the various colors. Like here's autism, here's childhood cancer, here's breast cancer, and you're done. I mean, great, but you know, when you have to do multiple like that, it's just easy to, you know, sp- you know, like I said, do white or black, spray paint them those colors, maybe give them a little enamel, just to get that extra shine and you're done. And I think that's one thing people don't do is, you know, this is very affordable to do it, whether you get the grant money or you're just going to say, okay, I'm gonna take all my money. I'm going to spend a little bit more money out of my own pocket. I'll throw it out as a tax deduction and then just cross my fingers from there. But you know, it, it, it's interesting. And I, as you said, there's so many 3D printers out there too. So you know, my my current wood uh t- um, industrial arts teacher, he's getting one. He's getting a more high-tech one. But I asked him, I said, Jamie, what do you expect to do? He's like, I really want them to be problem solvers or design things for their woodwork to combine this. And I said, perfect don't just don't get it just for the heck of it that's how we ended up with a maker bot bought with grant money they got broken three months later and then sat you know gathering tusks for two years before i walked in the door because at that point they're like well i don't know what to do with it
1: right and then everybody's afraid to touch it and try and repair it and everything there yeah that's kind of there's a big difference between um you know somebody wants to get started out but they don't have very much money to spend I'm still going to recommend going and getting like an Ender 3 Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find them for 200 bucks. You have to build it yourself, but it's a great little machine. It's reliable. It really it honestly makes, forces you to learn more about 3D printing. If you have the budget, get yourself a MakerBot or a FlashForge, like you said, or Dremel.
0: Dremel is very good. Design, yeah.
1: I, I like those ones. You know, The big reason that I love the MakerBots is that you just push print you know, right. you open up the MakerBot print software, you bring in your model that you made on Tinkercad or whatever. And then, you know, you might put whether or not you want supports or raft or whatever the beginning. but ultimately you just push print. Whereas when you're doing something like Kiro with the Enders or any of the other, you know, hobbyist level printers, you have to tweak a whole bunch, whole bunch more settings. Now it's not difficult to do. It's just a more time consuming thing. And a lot of teachers don't, they don't have that opportunity to be doing that. So either way you go, it's going to be great and you're going to have headaches, but that's part of us teaching our kids how to overcome adversity and persevere and, exactly. and do this sorts of things.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, I, I'm not going back in 3d printing. I said, no matter what happens to me in the future, the school district or another school district is like, Nope, I'm taking it with me. I have my home one. I mean, you perfectly said why I like the MakerBot. Also the reason why I like the flash forge. I had one of our, my son's scout leader, whose son wants. So I said, well, you know, Chris, if you want to do that, get that build one. But I said, if you really just want to go light where the kids can design it, you can throw it on a flash drive. So you can keep an eye on it in the living room, then get the flash Forge light because then you can put on that flash drive plug it in hit mm-hmm. the button put it in the living room and you're good and then just let it print i do mine in the basement it has a nice open area i put it down the only problem is when i hit print my dog will come down and say oh what are you printing for me <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm willow watch you toy <laughs> all right <laughs> these the stories of the 3d printing teachers everybody oh so moving past the book, I usually don't do it. So let's talk about your podcast a little bit, the Magic Potion EDU. I did finally subscribe to this myself. I'd heard about it, I just never got around to it. But um, you know, what led to the Magic Potion EDU uh, podcast? I know you're hoping to get to, but what you know, I always say what what makes your podcast different? I always say here, mine is not meant just to be an educator. I try to branch off other worlds, like up our episode before this airs is on the you can beat video games channel. And I think we had a real fun time, especially when the creator of that he went to school for film. So it was really cool to hear about. <laughs> Film production how he's brought that into his passion, and he runs his own home business. So it was a really great thing to push past just classic gamers or whatnot. So what 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 led into the Magic Potion Edu, and where are you hoping to take the podcast? Hopefully in twenty twenty
1: two. Magic Potion Edu started with a wanting to find a way to share other educators' stories. Uh, the first few episodes were me talking to myself as I was kind of getting my feet underneath me, understanding how podcasting worked and everything. Um, but uh, uh, honestly like uh, the wired educator was kind of my model that I went off of I listened to so many episodes of Kelly talking to other you know authors and educators and administrators that I was just at a point where I wanted to reach out and hear other people's stories too instead of waiting for somebody else to interview them, why can't I interview them myself? so the the acronym magic was I don't know exactly where I came up with it, but I Honestly, I think it was one of those shower thought ideas <laughs> where, where sometimes we have our best ideas. I'm like, wait a minute, magic, Damn, motivate. So I go back to my, to my uh, time as a, as a coach. I always wanted to set goals at the beginning of the season with my athletes, you know, team goals or personal goals and everything there and finding a way to motivate the, my athletes to go forward. Well, why can't we do that with our students as well? Why can't we sit down and meet with them at the beginning of a semester, trimester, school year, whatever it may be, um, set those goals. And then let's find ways during the year to motivate them, whether that's engaging lessons or keeping them on task with uh, their goals and and reminding them of what they're trying to get to. Um, The A is for assess. I'm a, Big, big fan of formative assessment. You know, you you can't know what you need to teach unless you know what the students already know. So that's a big piece of the uh, magic potion EDU formula there. The G stands for get out there. Um, I found that going to conferences is one of the most beneficial things that ever happened to me as an educator. Um, I went to the Ohio Educational Technology Conference for years and years and years. Um, The G tech, which is in Genoa, Ohio, it's about an hour away from me. Um, There's another one called created Anthony Wayne schools yet again, the Toledo, Ohio area about an hour away from me. Um, And then one year I wound up submitting a proposal to go down to the future of education technology conference, which is in uh, Florida in late January. And being an Ohio guy, I was like, okay, I would love to try this. So I get down there to, um, to FETC and there's 20,000 teachers. I'd never been at a conference that size. Tons of sessions that were, um, you know, at that time we were looking at trying to build a makerspace at our school. So I was able to go there and just hear from other schools across the nation on how they set up theirs. So the G in, in, in magic potion is get out there, go find conferences that are your Passionate and go to those. Hear from like-minded educators. It'll help rekindle everything. It'll get you back to that why you got into education to begin with. Um, I is integrate. I'm being an educational technology guy. I got to. I I just have to include integrating technology into the classroom, um, and then C is calm. Stay calm. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to I, any I, I new teacher. I will agree with
0: that one right there. Because <laughs> I got to sprinkle that magic. Wrong button. Sprinkle that magic. There we go. The cricket can be magical, everybody. No, so oh, they can't be. This is why I like to have fun with little areas like that. So.
1: No, that. but yeah, uh, the other part was you know I started teaching at Tiffin University uh, through Lord University with their their undergrad educators and I'm teaching edu 151 251 351 these are all um, educational technology courses so I wanted to interview teachers and get their advice for future teachers going forward too so that was another big piece in there and my always number one piece of advice for any new teachers stay calm things aren't going to go as planned you need to have your lesson plans but you know, always have something there in your back pocket as well. Because uh, something I will happen.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It's a great way to stay calm. I've had that happen in my classroom anytime where you know we were doing our first uh geometrics testing for our illustration uh Adobe for a professional thing and oh no internet didn't want to work codes didn't want to load it was just a disaster so I said oh luckily guys we have plenty of to finish up the project so now it's the time for especially those who have not turned in their projects to get them <laughs> right now. <laughs> Boy, that's what hurt versus the next day where like we still had some issues. But, you know, I contact the tech people type calm and, you know, we fixed whatever that filter issue was during that hour. We haven't had that problem. So so hopefully knock on wood. We don't have that for the professional tests when they start Thursday and Friday and two days before Thanksgiving, because it's like, no, I I have to reserve those times on compass. They can (laughs) it's like this is not the Internet going down. I mean, luckily, it's all paid for. But it's like, oh, please don't. Please don't.
1: Oh, yeah. And I've had that with, you know, testing scenarios where we're getting ready to do our state testing and something goes wrong. I'm going to knock on wood because that's just the worst feeling in the world when you have a classroom of kids getting ready to do their map test or whatever it may be and the Wi-Fi goes down or, you know, something completely out of my control that I can't fix. That is the worst feeling.
0: Well, and it's like mine's very simple. Like I'm going to be, I'm not going to be in the morning early next Monday near my son's IEP meeting. We do have a main quiz to wrap it all up because I'm wrapping up all these units and stuff for Thanksgiving. We're just starting everything new the final two weeks of school. So I'm making a paper copy of the quiz. It's usually on Google Forms but I'm just going <laughs> to say, I know it's paper but if it comes to worst, you can print this out. They can answer the questions. It will, you know, reshuffle the questions order we're good all right life's great all right let's you know and just away we go so at least i can say that which is actually speaking of innovation as well as keeping calm i remember when i used to do it and all of a sudden i never thought about making sections on google forms so when i said change the order of questions all of a sudden the enter their name would be like in the middle <laughs> <It's like laughs> quiz or test and I'd be like, <clears throat> i gotta redo this we'll just move my sections like i solved the problem so
1: <laughs> there you go oh so man i yeah <laughs> I, always, uh, I always do all of my grading and lesson planning and stuff on Sundays. And we just started a new trimester this past week. So now I have sixth graders for digital citizenship. And I had to um, do the syllabus, you know, send them home, get them signed and all that stuff. And I'm like, kids, this is the only time I will ever give you paper. I just can't uh, do it myself.
0: I know. Teachers will be shocked when I actually run over to the copy machine. And our cop- one of our copy machines is always like the break. So we're always throwing out little jokes and memes and bit mojo. Mm-hmm. when it is including the one of the copier that worked in other fairy tales. <laughs> 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 and they're always like, it's funny because Ryan never uses the copier unless he really, really has to. Yeah. So It's always funny when that breaks down versus my other teachers like, oh, no, what do you mean? It's off. No, I got AP bio today. No, this is not happening. <laughs>
1: Oh, so I had to take those syllabus home and and like put them in alphabetical order and organize them by class it was just took me back to my early years of teaching when I was taking worksheets home and doing them that way it's just. Oh, I don't know why we do that to ourselves when Google Forms will grade everything for you.
0: <laughs> exactly. It can't import into your your you know, SSID all the time, but at least it's all there and you can assemble it in the spreadsheet alphabetical order. Like we use FlexiQuiz, which is a great system too, but we just say date they were done. That way we say, okay, we have three makeup tests. We just click on the date. Like, oh, yep. Today there it is November 12th. Yep. There's my three people. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Thank you. You want a PDF, I'll print it out for you, or I'll email it to you. Good good problem there. Well, speaking of passions and of technology, so, you know, you've got a little thing there. I mean, besides baseball, which is your big thing these days here, Kevin, you and your son have watched the entire series and timeline of Marvel movies, and I'm pretty sure after the big announcement on Disney Plus this week, you're like, oh, no, now I got to redo the whole timeline. (laughs) um, Talk about where that came from and, uh, you know, where you find that, as well as leadership qualities in that. You know, I... I
1: always enjoyed superhero movies, but I was like never big into them. And now that my son just turned six uh, a little over a month ago and somehow along the way he fell in love with Spider-Man. Like that's his thing. He loves Peter Parker. And, uh, you know, the first one he watched was, uh, the, the animated one, the mm. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and that was an introduction of the whole Miles Morales character for me. But as I'm watching that movie with him, which he would have probably been for at the time, the big theme that kept coming up was you get knocked down, you keep, you keep getting back up. And I'm watching as Miles Morales is, you know, slowly becoming the the hero that he can be, and he's constantly getting beaten down, but he still finds a way to get back up. And that was a huge theme for me that I kept reiterating to him. And as we're watching all these other ones, it's, there's so many subtle things that it's actually teaching the kids. Sure, they're violent and everything. I, I get that. So parents, you know, it's your choice on what you want to do. Um, but I had found somebody had shared on on twitter of course like everything else it's found (laughs) on twitter um they the timeline order where it starts with captain america and goes all the way to spider-man um would that be far from home would have been the most recent at the time and i'm like cooper should we do that this summer because my summer hours you know i'm done at like noon one o'clock every single day pick him up we go have lunch and then it's like All right, let's watch a movie. So I think it ends up coming to like 56 hours or 48 hours, something like that. It's something crazy. But uh, we enjoyed going all the way through all of them. And actually, when uh, Black Widow came out the late summer, we were actually in that exact same spot in the timeline where it was just like it was meant to be. Right. And. And then, uh, like you said, the Disney Plus announcement this past week on the the anniversary of that starting, Shang Chi just came out. That one we hadn't seen yet. We didn't go to the theater and watch. It. We actually watched that this morning when we woke up. So that was a that was a really cool movie to watch as well too. And,
0: I, and as somebody's who been a big fan of Shang Chi because I was always in my, my 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 you know grandfather, my parents, stepfather, and all that really liked the old classic Bruce Lee and stuff. And they so I I learned stuff like Shang Chi and that uh, Master of Kung Fu long before they wore a thing. So you know every time <laughs> I'd read the Kung, I was like Shang Chi, let i am picking you up today <laughs> so you know even though i wasn't able to go to the theaters but you know the good part here and hopefully next week i'll be able to watch that as well so it, it's been pretty nice it's very interesting to my son he likes specific things with super, super characters so spider-man he enjoys like um you know stuff he does like the avengers movies but you know he's never he didn't get in black widow he really doesn't have much feel on other everything i'm pretty sure eternals despite everything you know me jack kirby fan i'll probably watch eternals and be like oh yeah and all this and he'd probably be like oh what <laughs> it really seems the last celestial is gonna be like oh guardians of the galaxy i get that part you know and so forth but you know that's kind of how it goes in with that but it, it's very interesting too but yeah i think it's a great thing when you talk about miles morales as they always talk about why the old classic spider-man has been with great power comes great responsibility right. miles has been since day one since brian bendis did it in the ultimate universe before he you know moved over to the mainstream was no matter how you get knocked down is keep getting back up which was get the- up a great piece and and so forth so that, that's always how i've always seen miles he's knocked down he's and he's gone through some crazy stuff too in the comics as somebody who's followed that trust me i've i've been through some interesting times with old
1: <laughs> and i believe they're doing another one of those that's supposed to come out next summer too um and obviously we've got uh no way home coming out in we are so excited for no way home and i believe yeah. there's a trailer this week there's supposed yeah. to be a new trailer dropping.
0: Yeah, we'll be going over there, especially meeting the guys, too, especially this will be our version of the Sinister Six, so it should be very (laughs) interesting to see how this all gets wrapped up, especially because it's Doctor Strange part leads into Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse, which is Mm -hmm. next year because they're filming all the reshots now, so it'll be out next year. So it's uh, going to be really interesting to see how they they move with these paths, both on Disney+, Plus with the Secret Invasion crossover, which is connected to the new series, is from loki to the new she-hulk series and so forth too so it's gonna be kind of cool it's so hard to keep track of everything oh you know for people like me it's like wow yeah i mean i unfortunately because the way things are kind of like oh you know i'll see it when i see it but now it's kind of like it's kind of nice to sit there especially during winter break and watch that i mean Otherwise, you know, we'll watch other things too, like the new season of Cobra Kai. The wife loves Karate Kid, so we'll be watching that. Oh, can't
1: wait for that one.
0: And so forth. And, you know, I'm excited for the rest of the, you know, Masters of Universe Revelations, which, you know, starts next week. So that's already there. Maybe Mark Hamill, if you're listening to him, still got that open up for episode 100. Come on, Mark, please. If he does, I'll mind if Mark Campbell. I don't. I can't wait. Big for issue episode one hundred of this podcast, but it's just like I keep saying, like I need to get somebody big, and that's where it just kind of goes from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. I'll I'll do some tweeting for you and everything. He's
0: on to the mind, so it, it's nice. I mean, Mark's Mark's a great guy. At least as far as I understand, he's one of those celebrities. I think it's still very humble to the fans. So on that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kevin, what do you got some of your future projects here? Like you said, you got a new trimester starting here and you got everything else. So, you know, what, what is the plan for the teachers from the toolbox here going into 2022?
1: Yeah, um, my blog, Teachers Tech Toolbox, I want to get back into that. Another thing that kind of just fell to the wayside with, with focusing on the 3DU as a major project. Uh, but it's the the blog itself is really focused on finding educational tech tools, and sharing the what teacher would use them, how they use them, and what time during the class is a good, good time to use those items. Um, I keep getting a bunch of tools, and then I just don't get around to writing it like I used to. I really need to, to focus on getting that, uh, like I do my grades every Sunday. I need to find a time each week to just etch out and and focus my energy on that that seems to be a big thing for me is is setting things to the side and and knowing when i'm gonna schedule them um but like uh the big tools i'm using right now in my classroom i love pear deck oh my oh gosh, yeah I,
0: pear deck your oh. are my go-to guys these days and ed puzzles right next to it
1: so I, i'm teaching sixth seventh and eighth grade um, so, in sixth grade, we do digital citizenship, like I said, we just got started this past week with that, and I use a lot of the common sense media digital citizenship curriculum there, um, and then I couple it with Pear Deck built into the slideshows to get, I just love that every kid in my class can answer without raising their hands and feeling feeling that fear, and they love that as well too. <clears throat> And um, I'm, and then, too,
0: I'm <laughs> Deck too is if I have students that don't want to really do it, I can actually look around their screens, but then I can check their things. So the participation in class, I can actually look to grading. Even though you know, like so great, but it's like they're like, well, "Why?" just like, "Oh, I know you weren't per- particip- participating in class," and they're like, "How do you know?" Like, "Oh, I knew." <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Perry is <laughs> Perry knows. <laughs> oh, so yeah, uh,
1: another big one for me is uh, I love to do my reviews as a game. Um, I know everyone loves Kahoot and quizzes and all that stuff, but Gimkit and Blookit are my two go-to's. My students love those. Um, kind of depends. I know Gimkit. I think is going to be releasing something new here soon. They sent a teaser email out yep. earlier today.
0: Yeah, um, yep. I got it. that. My go. everybody knows I'm a big Gimkit user. BlueKey, I'm hoping to yeah. next semester for my computer programming class.
1: And that one's it. Just has a lot of simple games that are in there. And in the past, I've had issues where. You know, it wouldn't load a, uh, a session key for me or something like that. So I think they've gotten all that sort of thing uh, ironed out. Um, actually, with uh, with Gimkit, I had uh, you know during COVID and all that stuff, we have can't really bring guest speakers in. Uh, but we found that a lot of awesome people are more than happy to zoom with students. So I I reached out to Josh, the creator of Gimkit, and he's like, absolutely. Wait. I talk to classes all the time. This is a computer science class you want me to talk to. That's phenomenal. So he was great. And and we had, you know, a good 45 minute session where he just talked about the story of where it came from. And, you know, he's only 20, 21 years old. He's, he's young and he's built something amazing that a lot of educators use.
0: Yeah, and I, I tell my students too about how it was designed with Gimkit, and a lot of them are. I mean, more of my teachers just starting to use Gimkit too, and we used either grant money or me. I I paid for the premium account for two years. Mm. I'm like, I'm not going back. I, I'm like, nope. I, I love it. I got my kahoot with thing. and I love Quizlet, but I said uh, I think I'll be probably getting the blue key. And I had a lot of people science in my foreign language teacher like, yeah, you should really use it. And I said, I'm thinking of using it for computer programming. And they're like, I think that'll be perfect for that class. I said, well, considering how we're doing it in the certification and badging through CodeHS this year, I said, yeah, because this is the first time I'm teaching. In class in two years so it's really a good year to just you know start with the new curriculum put in the new tools but several of my tools students who are juniors and seniors in this class have used them so luckily you know it'll be nice where we can actually do something like blue or that when those students have taken it so it'll be a nice adventure going into this
1: and they're great formative assessment tools too to go back to the, the, the magic coach. and um, there's a few tools that like I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of the whole freemium model. I understand why people do it, but there's two tools that I'm really willing to pay out of my own pocket for game kit is one, uh, which I think is like 60 bucks a year. Yeah. Um, and breakout edu. That's yeah. another one. I don't use it all the time, but, um, just renewed that one. It cost a hundred dollars out of my own pocket, but I was more than happy to do it because It really works on those critical thinking skills. It works on any grade level, any content area. And it's just a nice breakup from your regular class too.
0: Yeah. And I, I, and people know I've been a huge at breakout EDU. I've used it huge. I haven't in the last year of the pandemic, I made a lot of electronics. I even had students build their own breakout edu. Mm-hmm. So we definitely took it the next one, but breakout EDU, just like you say about your website and the, and, the, and your podcast, like me, with me, I did a, an example too. I said, you know, guys, I really want to get my WordPress site really getting back out to it. It's almost been basically just a piece for my podcast and maybe the occasional, you know, PD video I'll make on YouTube, not as much as what I used to, but it is time. I feel like now that things are done, yeah, I'm finishing my instructional code coaching certificate to be done in July, Knock on wood, it's time to really start getting the website used for what it originally was versus just being, as they say, the, as they say, the checkpoint option, like, oh yeah, I got an alert. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You got a new podcast. Awesome. Or I did a new video using school Linux. Awesome. I'll go on there. I use school Linux all the time, but it's time to really start. Yeah. I think I need to get the templates. I need to get some reflection pieces and I need to start really getting back into that. Give it a try today, which was one of my biggest things for the blog for years and, and teachers you know, found me through that versus finding me on twitter they found me through the blog and in various mm. areas so it, it, it it's i think it's about doing that and i think this is a good time it's a great time now to talk up of course the magic of the pixel three questions here based off you know three questions with george chorus so we've talked about your passions and everything but here's an interesting innovation question i always do this on the video especially i always like to pick something in your room and see how you can be innovative with the classroom and you got something in the classroom it's right behind you right now it'll be perfect here kevin Your are so how can you use your keurig in the classroom to be making an innovative lesson
1: oh that's pretty simple my my students know that if i don't have coffee we're not going to have a good class
0: <laughs> and i and then, there you go you're making a forward most that's like what Let's like let's do a classroom without coffee and do classroom without <laughs> coffee. and let's see what mr renneman acts as well as our innovation there you go and you can do statistics and uh polling right there
1: I tell you, it's one thing that I, before we started recording, I was telling you, you know, you know, I'm in my office, my classroom's right next door. There's a big window here that I can see mm-hmm. in there and everything. Um, but I'll, you know, tell my students during first period, oh, okay, my coffee's, you know, I've got about this much coffee left, so I better get to it. They, th- The students really want to go make my coffee for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not going to let them do it, but I mean, like, it makes me feel great that they want to help And, you know, serve somebody else in that, in that capacity. Um, But I guess another way we can look at it is, you know, how many cups can I get out of, you know, this is a small one that Mm -hmm. just has a little reservoir there. Um, So how much, how many cups do I get through out of one of those? Uh, We can do some math with it pretty easily To Okay. How much did my case of, I do the McCafe, uh, get the box of the McCafe, right? um, K cups from, from, uh, Sam's club there. So, okay. How much is it costing per, um, one thing I learned. And if you have a Keurig, I use distilled water in mine mm. when I I've ruined so many Keurigs using, uh, you know, local tap water. Cause I always get that calcium buildup in there. So ever since I switched to doing distilled coffee still tastes just fine, but I don't have that issue with it, uh, scaling up and, and being, you know, going bad within a couple years there too. Um, so there we go. We got some math. Um, what happens if we mix two different flavors I and mean, we could go with that. Um, I don't really want to test the, what is class like without Mr. Ryan and having coffee though. I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that.
0: Kids have seen me without, cause I had like a health test, blood test. So I didn't, I just remember too, like at lunch, I was at lunch and I still wasn't eating anything. And they're just say, you've made it. And then like, I went and saw the doctor and Dr. Weiss goes to me and says, you made it all day without a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "You're the really good teacher in the pandemic." I said, "Well, thank you there." Dr. Weiss.
1: Oh man, and she, I, I, I didn't start drinking coffee until my student teaching. Like it wasn't at all during college. It was that final semester when I was doing student teaching. My cooperating teacher uh, had a he just wasn't a curate at the time, but you know, he had a coffee pot in the room that he shared with the teacher next door, and that's when I fell in love with black coffee. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't college even though I had it once. But here's an interesting question for you, Kevin. And this isn't on the test. What does Keurig actually mean?
1: Delicious? I don't know. Oh, it means
0: neat. It means neat.
1: Neat. Okay.
0: Neat. And everybody's going to be like, right now, I'm listening to my podcast. Like, I'm pausing it, making sure Ryan's not lying to us. Hold on. a <laughs> second.
1: Let me open up another tab here. Is it really called
0: that? <laughs> He's actually typing as we speak here.
1: <laughs> Keurig meaning excellence in dutch is what this one says oh man
0: we have just made this into an english foreign language project too now oh my-
1: here we go this is innovation right there yeah, they
0: exactly. see it says we're doing it right here live as we record all this on a sunday morning <laughs> or should i say sunday early afternoon right now
1: <laughs> oh man now i want to make a cup of coffee why you gotta do this to me <laughs>
0: I'm trying to make sure you can get your grading done, Kevin. That's how mm-hmm. it is. Uh, You've definitely talked about enthusiasm, leadership, but what do you think is your X factor here, Kevin? That one one, uh, one that one thing that separates you from everybody else that you bring into the classroom
1: everybody. Um I really try to love and care for my students. I, you know, one of the things I tell them is that they will never know my politics. Um, I struggle with that. When, when there's teachers, I kind of use that. I don't want to say mm. power, but you know that position of authority to... to yeah. mm. That's, that's not my thing. So I really try to stress that with the students of be your own person, think for yourself. Um, consume is okay, but it's better to create. And uh, I really try to work with students to focus on teamwork. I do a lot of group projects and uh, I want students to be able to work through their disagreements and arguments. So in order to do that, they have to have disagreements and arguments so that we can teach them to to work through those problems. Um, so really, uh, the teacher I am now compared to the teacher when I, those first four years, like I said, I was a yeller when I started. And I look back at that and it just, it hurts me. I am so ashamed that that's how I thought classroom management worked was by yelling at students when they were not doing what they're supposed to be. So that's another big thing I would suggest to any, any Future teachers coming forward or first year teachers is uh, don't shout at your kids. It's not going to help. You need to go to them and and get them to want to, to behave right. And that all starts with a rapport there and in connecting with the students. So I don't know. Did I answer your question you know, there?
0: You answered all three perfectly. Like I said, I not know <clears throat> because usually it's answered, but I think that's a good point. Uh, you brought up a great one. I know, Um, like I said, George and a couple other people always say, What would advice would you give to your first year teacher? But I think you perfectly said it right there in a the class. And see me and uh, me, my biggest problem is what discouraged me from becoming a teacher way back when, you know, 18 year old Ryan with a ton of hair and, you know, tied back and everything else. People see me now, like you didn't like to really show you a picture. But, um, you know, I was like, I was going to be, I thought that a teacher just naturally, had their management. Like if the kids got a line, they either knew how to t- look at them and do it, or if they did have to yell, it was a rare. Cause even when I did have a teacher yell, when I was in school or when I've yelled, it's been very rare. In fact, it's so unrare. Like if they hear it, like a lot of the classrooms, like, who was that? And they're like, that was Dr. Reed. They went, oh, it must be his, it must be his once in a semester yelling moments. He's like, somebody's really not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But yeah, I, I think that was always interesting. You don't have to yell, but at the same time is don't walk in expecting everybody to just Line up, and they're going to do it because you're the teacher. I found out that does take a while, like you said, rapport and community is huge. But I think another one is too is like I said, is creating that relationships with students, usually in a professional manner, mind you. But I think that's very important. I think that gets lost, and I think that's what really discourages teachers. Is not like you said, trying to think, try to keep politics out of thing, whether it's an administrator or local. But I think a big thing is is I think some people feel like if they don't naturally do this, then they're never going to be able to be a good teacher. And any it doesn't matter your subject, whether you're PE to as you said, you know math and science and three-dimensional. I was a STEAM enrichment teacher. I worked with a lot of inner cities kids. And I learned that when I kind of got patient with them and listened to their story, I had it, it, the classroom was better for it versus me just like, why do these kids never want to listen to me? <laughs>
1: And it's it's starting it early, too, is one of the things that I learned. Um, I don't want to say if you don't, like you've lost them forever, because you can always change things. Uh, There's always the the following semester, you know, there's always tomorrow, too. Uh, But consistency is such a big thing there. Um, I know personally, I can do better on that on some aspects, but uh, being consistent for your students sets that expectation for them. And then they know what's expected of them when they come into your classroom.
0: And I think that right there is a mic drop too. Like I said, uh, the, like my old science teacher who's, you know, passed away a couple of years ago from cancer. She said, you know, teach stu- uh, kids to be better people and the rest will fall in place. And I said, yeah, I've, I've learned that myself in my experience that. Yeah. But if you teach them to be better and everything does tend to fall in place for them. So that's a great one. Kevin, this has been an amazing time. How can people actually connect to you uh, to, through you, through either your website or your social media?
1: The best way to get a hold of me is on Twitter, and that's at Kevin Reinemann, K-E-V-E-N-R-I-N-A-M-A-N, at Kevin Reineman. That whole spelling mistake. There's a whole another story for another day. <laughs> but my, I, yeah. I, I my name Mom and Dad did not put two E's on when they, when they named me. But thank you, Office of Vital Statistics, for giving me a unique name there. <laughs> It wasn't until about uh they're getting ready to send me to preschool that they got my birth certificate out and realized that my name <laughs> was spelled different than what they expected. Of course. So yeah, K E V
0: N. Oh
1: man. <sighs> Yeah, that's that's the number one way is uh, just reach out to me on Twitter, uh, give me a follow, send me a DM and we'll connect and and we'll go from there more than happy to help you brainstorm ideas to do 3D printing or really any sort of stem or educational technology tool that's that's my thing that's what I love doing.
0: All right. And I know you can find you on magic potion edu as well as the teacher's toolbox. And like I said, he's got more episodes coming down here at 2022. Now he has this amazing book 3 U. you, know, right there. I'm gonna just do my announcement the guide to 3d printing in every classroom here find it on Amazon Barnes and Noble and more. <laughs> And I definitely, as a, as a reader and a guy who reviewed this book on his, po- on this very podcast, I, 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 highly remember guys, if you've, if you've been new, if you're new to it, get this book. If you've been doing it a while, get this book. If you really want to say, what's that last piece missing that really take this to the next level, definitely get it. I mean, it's, it's a good, simple read. And one thing I did love right at the beginning of here, it actually explains what all these things mean in 3d printing from ABS, the PETG to G code to Gantry, to LSS. Finally, we actually have things for these terminologies. <laughs> without me having to constantly make a new Quizlet for it. So and there's a shout out to Quizlet, everybody. So, Kevin, oh, thank man. you so much for this. I know we've had a lot of craziness with the reschedules and stuff. So, you know, thank yeah. you for being on the Pixel Classroom podcast today.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for connecting with me. It's, it's a great time. Can't wait to hear this uh, episode go live.
0: In one more week after we record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you for joining us for the Pixel Classroom Podcast, and we will talk to everybody later. And of course, as this episode asks for those celebrating, happy Thanksgiving. Talk to everybody later. you once again for listening to the pixel classroom podcast remember if you like what you hear please think about leaving us a review or subscribing or leaving us a voicemail and we'd love to hear from you and also remember the pixel classroom podcast is always looking for sponsors so if you're thinking of sponsoring the podcast please let us know and we will get you set up on that note my friends i will talk to everybody later again on the pixel classroom podcast